Hey everyone, welcome to Hip Health is Pow Her podcast. I'm your host, Anna Esperham Evans. And today we're going to talk about premenstrual syndrome and then the more tough one, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is much more severe than PMS. And PMS, uh, pretty much many of us women have dealt with PMS and it consists of emotional and also kind of physical symptoms maybe a few days before your menstrual period. And uh, it also occurs for at least three menstrual periods. And it can be depression, anger outbursts, irritability, anxiety, confusion, social withdrawal, social isolation. And some of the physical symptoms that occur during PMS are some breast tenderness. You can feel bloated. You can have headaches and maybe even a little bit of edema or swelling of the extremities. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder is a little bit more severe form of PMS that affects the mental health. And you can feel markedly depressed mood, feelings of hopelessness, self-deprecating thoughts, decreased interest in normal activities. And you can have persistent marked anger, uh, increased personal conflicts. All of a sudden, you can feel extremely sad without even... (sighs) thinking about it. And you can also have a lot of increased sensitivity to rejection. So everything is a lot more overwhelming in the premenstrual dysphoric disorder or for short PMDD. There's also some marked tension and feelings of just being on edge right before your period. And in terms of the physical symptoms, The breast tenderness can be much worse. The swelling and the headaches can be much worse. And then there's joint or muscle pain big time bloating, can have weight gain. People can get insomnia or can feel much more fatigued and just sleep all day long. Easy fatigue, exhaustion. There's maybe specific food cravings that we can have. And then also extreme sense of difficulty and concentrating around our menstrual period. There's also a lot of comorbidities, which means that there can be certain conditions that go along with PMS or PMDD, and that includes a generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, or some of these more kind of mental health symptoms, such as major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, PTSD, social phobia, or other phobias, eating disorders, and even addiction or substance abuse. And some of the more chronic disease conditions include endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which we did talk about on our previous episode at HIP podcast. And then you can have thyroid dysfunction, adrenal disease, the hormones can be a little bit wacky, and uh, the dreaded chronic fatigue syndrome, as well as other pain syndromes and autoimmune disorders can go along with PMS and PMDD. So overall, basically, it kind of stinks. But there are some theories in terms of what can cause the PMS and PMDD. And one of those is the ovarian hormone theory where the estrogen to progesterone ratio is relatively high or there's a relative progesterone deficiency. So either there's high estrogen or there's low progesterone, but there hasn't been as much evidence to support this hypothesis. And the current consensus is that hormone shifts prior to the menstrual period, especially rapid hormone shifts, cause a cyclical trigger of biochemical events causing PMS or PMDD symptoms. Also, there is a theory that is called the serotonergic theory, which we all know serotonin is our feel-good neurotransmitter, 
And the neurotransmitter serotonin activity actually follows the menstrual cycle. So if estrogen drops rapidly, then serotonin will drop rapidly with it and thus causing depression, anger, anxiety, a lot of the emotional symptoms that go along with the drop in serotonin. And that drop in serotonin can actually also cause an inflammatory cascade, which leads to pain, maybe even some of that muscle and joint and headache pain as well. The psychosocial theory is more of what psychologists study in terms of this women's unconscious conflict about their feminine side and motherhood. And it can also occur if someone's been sexually abused or shamed over being a woman or being a female, and they really disconnect with their physiologic female processes. And then when you have a menstrual period, that's psychologically aversive, reinforcing some of the symptoms that occur with PMS and PMDD. The sociocultural theory is another potential cause that really outlines there's a conflict between dual roles of women in society and that it's difficult balancing a full career in motherhood. And so when that menstrual period comes, that's a reminder of our womanhood and that we have to really take a step back and be in our more restful, more of our yin state, which is very difficult for someone who has a lot of drive and wants to fulfill their career versus being a woman, being the mother, being uh, at home. But ultimately, in terms of what's been studied outside of the theories, the physiology is that there are neurotransmitter disturbances like we discussed, such as serotonin, but there's also abnormal levels of our relaxed neurotransmitter, which is GABA. And there's also some different uh, brain waves that occur also in the brain actually for women who experience PMS and PMDD. And there's some hormonal changes that are not quite healthy in people who experience PMS and PMDD. And then there's also some cognitive emotional processing dysfunction and inflammation that have also been studied with PMS and PMDD. And some of the conventional therapies that are currently treating PMS, especially the more severe PMDD, are truly the antidepressants. And usually that's given during the luteal phase or right after ovulation, so maybe two weeks after ovulation or before the period starts, just to give you that extra serotonin, so that feel-good feel good neurotransmitter. There's also some limited evidence for hormonal therapy, but it's got a high response rate in the placebo group in some of the studies. And then lupulide or basically a hormone that suppresses the menstrual cycle can help some women when the antidepressant or the serotonin reuptake inhibitor treatment fails. And then also cognitive behavioral therapy, going to a therapist, going to a psychologist, and maybe working through some of the sociocultural um, um, theories that um, have been discussed. Some of the integrative approaches include diet and nutrition, supplements and botanicals, and physical activity and some of the mind-body therapies. So as we discussed in some of the symptoms of PMDD and PMS, there are a lot of food cravings. And what's been interesting in some of the literature is that the Western diet or kind of more of the high carbohydrate, highly processed food is associated with premenstrual syndrome. So there's something to do with our hormones and the gut and our nutrition. 
There's also been um, an association of high sweet intake and overeating with premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So then when you're trying to abate some of those food cravings that occur, you're really trying to focus on eating whole foods, eating healthy, getting a lot of healthy fats, protein, and complex carbs with every single meal. So you can really just divide that into thirds and, and we'll provide a little resource for you as well on the sort of thirds meal plate, basically. There's also an association that decreased intake of refined carbohydrates and unhealthy fats can also help abate some of those food cravings and then also decreasing a lot of processed gluten-containing products and caffeine and alcohol as well. Healthy fats actually have been shown to reduce depression, nervousness, anxiety, the lack of concentration, and some of those physical symptoms that are ultimately maybe potentially underlying that inflammation causing PMS. So two grams of omega-3 fatty acids actually have reduced some of those symptoms associated with PMS and PMDD. Some of the supplements and botanicals, of course, you've heard vitamin D plus calcium actually helps uh, improve some of the mood symptoms associated with PMS. And that's because the vitamin D receptors do exist in the brain and there is potential that vitamin D can increase the levels of certain feel-good neurotransmitters. And then in other studies, when given with vitamin D, calcium supplementation, especially if you're deficient in it, of 1,000 to 1,200 milligrams a day can also improve some of those PMS symptoms. But just a reminder, if you're looking at dietary sources, it's interesting that milk and cheese are not the highest sources of vitamin D. It's actually fish and mushrooms. Other herbs, vitamins, and minerals studied in PMS include Chastree berry, vitamin B6, saffron, vitamin E, ginkgo, and magnesium, and we'll get into this as well. The magnesium and vitamin B6 have a synergistic effect in that vitamin B6 may help potentially bring in magnesium, which helps relax some of that tissue. And it's also one of the cofactors in over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body, including neurotransmitters and also our energy cycle as well. The thiamine has been studied in, in 100 milligrams taken daily for up to two menstrual cycle reduces both the emotional, mental, and the physical symptoms in PMS. Usually thiamine is found in a capsule. You can get it in an IV form, so easiest to get it in a capsule form because you can buy it at a, a good supplement company or good, that has good manu manufacturing practices. And the mechanism of action is that it's involved in some neuromuscular transmission, so it can decrease pain, as well as potentially help some of those mood symptoms in thiamine, in PMS, I mean. And the side effects are usually well tolerated. The only two that I could find was dermatitis, which is a skin reaction, so it's kind of a skin rash, and then some kind of allergic reaction, which can also happen with anything. There are also, if you're getting labs tested and you're taking thiamine, you do have to discuss with your doctor if there is potential for interactions with getting labs tested, such as uric acid or bile acids. 
St. John's wort also has been studied in PMS and up to taken 900 milligrams per day improve both the physical and the behavioral symptoms of PMS. And St. John's wort, it, it acts like a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, but it also inhibits dopamine and norepinephrine reuptake as well. So it stays within the synapses so that you can get more of that feel-good neurotransmitters to potentially help some of those mood symptoms and physical symptoms associated with PMS and PMDD. So usually 900 milligrams is divided up into two to three divided doses throughout the day and really have to avoid giving this with any other antidepressants and tryptophan or 5-HTP or even tryptans because it can uh, possibly cause serotonin syndrome, which is a really difficult acute condition to deal with. The adverse reactions though to St. John's wort that we have to be careful of is that, that it can cause insomnia, very vivid dreams, it can potentially cause a little bit of anxiety and agitation and irritability, it can cause some stomach discomfort, potentially fatigue, especially if you've got insomnia, it can cause dizziness, skin rashes, tingling throughout the body, and then also uh, low blood glucose as well or low blood sugar. So it's not for everyone, and some people might have reactions to St. John's Ward, so have to be careful while taking it. Vitex is discussed is Chastree Berry, and it was studied in doses of 220 to 750, 760 milligrams daily, given for up to six menstrual cycles, did relieve PMS symptoms, and it helps by changing some of the hormones, especially the central hormones in the brain, that can lead to PMS. Vitex is usually available in many dosage forms. You can find it in capsules or liquid preparations, and up to 1,800 milligrams per day has been used, but in the studies it showed that you can use much less than that, and it's usually well tolerated, though it can cause stomach discomfort, headaches, diarrhea, nausea, it can cause an allergic reaction, a rash, it can cause acne, insomnia, weight gain, irregular menstrual bleeding, and it can affect your hormones. So we have to be careful if given with any other hormones, dopamine agonists, contraceptives, antipsychotics, uh, and antiemetics that have an effect on dopamine, such as metoclopramide and prochlorperazine, for example. Lemon balm, also called Melissa officinalis, and given 1,200 milligrams daily for three menstrual periods, also reduced PMS symptoms. And it can be found in capsules, tincture, or cream, or ointment. And it's usually kind of a sedative antioxidant. It also has some antiviral effects and has an effect on the relaxing neurotransmitter known as GABA. And it's usually well tolerated, but of course, with any supplement, most often allergic reactions, stomach discomfort, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and dizziness. So really have to avoid with sedatives or barbiturates or other central nervous system depressants, and then have to be very careful when given with thyroid hormones because it potentially can bind to thyroid hormones and also might reduce your blood sugar. So you have to be cautious with diabetes or any types of drugs that affect the blood sugar. Valerian has also been studied, I think I said this before in a previous podcast, but Valerian was always given to me for menstrual cramps and abdominal pain when I was a young kid by my father. 
And it's known to create and promote relaxation in the central nervous system, reduce stress, anxiety, and enhance sleep. And it's been shown to reduce three different symptoms of PMS, including the emotional piece, the behavioral piece, and the physical symptoms of PMS as well. So valerian, you can give it up to 255 milligrams three times daily for up to two to three menstrual cycles. It's, I usually take it as a tea, and you can find it in capsules, in tinctures. It does kind of smell like dirty socks. So, and it has some antispasmodic and sedative effects too and can reduce potentially pain as well, especially if you've got menstrual cramps. That's at least anecdotal. And then you do have to be careful because it also can cause headache and urinary retention and dry mouth and some weird dreams. It can also have this paradoxical effect that might give you anxiety or excitation. So what drugs you have to avoid valerian with is usually those drugs that are more sedating and also anxiety drugs as well. Ginkgo biloba as everybody's uh, known, ginkgo biloba for the most part is kind of a blood thinner in a way, but it has a small effect in decreasing some of the psychological and physical symptoms of PMS given in 40 milligrams up to three times daily for two menstrual cycles. And it also has some antioxidant properties as well and an improved circulation, but it also has some effect probably on the neurotransmitters as well. But we have to be cautious when giving it especially with other drugs, including anticoagulants, antiplatelet drugs, really anything that affects the blood. And then also have to be careful with certain antidepressants, anti-diabetes drugs, and then very specific drugs because it can increase the level of those drugs and be toxic. So one of the few side effects that you can get really is stomach discomfort, headache, dizzy, dizziness, palpitations, constipation, and allergic skin reactions. And then toxicity doses really can cause vomiting, lack of muscle tone, weakness, increased risk of bleeding. And if you're taking the fresh seeds of ginkgo, it can cause seizures because there's a toxin called ginkgo toxin. So royal jelly also has been studied for up to two menstrual cycles that reduce some of the PMS symptoms as well, taken up to 1,000 milligrams just once a day when compared to a placebo. The, it can come in capsule, it can come in liquid. It does have some estrogenic activity, but it also has uh, immune regulatory properties. It can fight Pseudomonas and Staph aureus, and it has some antihypertensive properties as well, but it can't, because it's royal jelly coming from bees, then can cause allergy symptoms. It can cause skin rash, it can cause red eyes, it can cause all different kinds of allergic symptoms, and then potentially it can cause asthma and anaphylaxis, which can lead to death, so really have to be careful if you're allergic to it. And it may potentially lower blood pressure, so have to be really careful with hypertensive drugs. Saffron's really interesting. It's getting a little bit more limelight in the research, and especially for some of the mood and mental health issues that exist, including depression and, and fatigue and, and women's health issues, such as PMS and menstrual cramps. It can be given up to 15 milligrams twice a day for two menstrual cycles. And that actually showed to decrease some of the depression and the daily symptom rating related to PMS. Had to be careful though, because toxic doses can occur with up to five grams. 
And the lethal dose is about 200 milligrams per mil in animal studies. It can be found as saffron threads, and you can, I mix it with my rice, for example, to make Persian rice, and you can do up to about 30 milligrams per day in one to two divided doses. And the, because it is um, a potential to cause allergy symptoms, you have to watch out for that anaphylaxis, watch out for skin rash, but it can also cause some appetite changes, anxiety, drowsiness, and nausea and vomiting, headache, and also can be a little bit of a sedative, so some people use it for insomnia. Curcumin as an anti-inflammatory, everyone knows it as turmeric, the common spice, and when you boil it down, you can get curcumin in up to 100 milligrams twice a day for seven days before and three days afterward at the onset of menstrual bleeding can reduce PMS symptoms compared to placebo, and that was a significant reduction in the PMS symptoms when taking curcumin. So we do know there must be some relationship to inflammation going on with PMS. So curcumin has, it's really tough to absorb. So you have to find a more absorbable form. And some people add black pepper to it. And some people have uh, little micelles or lipids that they can attach to the curcumin so we can absorb it better. And it can also um, cause some significant stomach effects, some gut discomfort, including indigestion, bloating, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, a lot of gas. Uh, you do have to be careful with other anticoagulants or blood thinners and diabetic medicines and chemotherapy. Physical activity is one of the number one recommendations for PMS, and usually it's aerobic exercise. It, and they studied this with vitamin B6 and calcium and did show that it helped rearrange some of those hormonal imbalances in women with PMS. And it also improves fatigue and concentration as well. Yoga has also been found to be very helpful for PMS, especially in improving some of the somatic or physical symptoms, including the bloating, the swelling, the breast tenderness, and tenderness, and even the night sweats. And this was usually studied twice weekly yoga for 12 weeks or 40 minutes per day for six days per week. It also showed it improved attention levels um, and increased the very healthy alpha brain waves that are known to be abnormal in women who deal with PMS or PMDD. Other types of therapy include light therapy. For some reason in PMDD, there's a blunted response to a healthy circadian rhythm to that morning bright light. And so doing that bright light therapy with 10,000 looks usually is recommended for about 30 minutes in the morning. So just a light box with a UV filter in the morning if you're not exposed to sunlight, especially during the winter. Acupuncture, there's some limited evidence, but can provide 50% uh, relief of PMS symptoms. And then there's also some changes that were uh, found to relieve depression and anxiety and pain, but the, there needs to be further studies to really associate acupuncture helping PMS. The most commonly used points are spleen six, liver three, and large intestine four. And we'll also provide a little demonstration or a little resource on our website as well at healthispower.com. 
And the relaxation response has also been very helpful. Doing some type of progressive muscle relaxation, guided imagery, meditation, hypnosis, 10 to 20 minutes twice a day just to get your body into a totally relaxed, restful state. And that regular practice can achieve improvements in PMS symptoms. And so that's pretty much it. I, I know that's a lot that we discussed today, but we discussed nutrition and diet and really kind of going towards whole foods, making sure healthy fats, protein, and complex carbs are at every single meal. And then dietary supplements, we talked about vitamin D, calcium, magnesium, vitamin B6, and thiamine. And then some of the herbs that we discussed are St. John's wort, Vitex, or chastry berry, lemon balm, valerian, ginkgo biloba, royal jelly, saffron, and curcumin. And then we also discussed exercise, yoga, light therapy, acupuncture, and then that relaxation, uh, whether it be meditation, hypnosis, guided imagery, or you name it, something that requires a lot of deep breathing, active relaxation, and a restful, relaxed state. And that's it. So if you guys want to see the show notes, you can visit www.healthispower.com. And we thank you for listening. You can always find us at health underscore is underscore pow her on Instagram or email us at hello at health is pow her.com. All right. We'll see you next week. Take care guys.